What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. And we want to welcome you to this version of the Niche Finder podcast. Today, we're privileged to have Mark Hirschberg, uh, part of our program today. Uh, he is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. This book was birthed out of his academic career that he's now been working for MIT, teaching a lot of the students that's there and in and, and his career success accelerator program. So, Mark, thank you for being part of this program and welcome. Hi, Cliff. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here today. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So we get right into it. Um, tell me, what do you consider to be your niche? I have two of them because I still have my day job. I am a CTO, a chief technology officer, building tech startup companies. And typically in that area, I focus a lot on enterprise software, particularly cybersecurity and data. So that's one niche. The other area is in parallel, I've been teaching at MIT for 20 plus years mm. on career skills and now have the book and the speaking I do with it. So that would be a second. So I really think myself playing in two spaces that unfortunately don't have a lot of direct overlap from a personal branding standpoint. <laughs> I, you know, if we could take a, just a, a really quick commercial break on this, because in the book, I talk about the seven steps to discover, develop and deliver your niche at the last step. Step seven is about maximizing your abundant factor. And in that step is where we uh, I ask the, the, the reader the question, do you have more to give? The object lesson that's in there is the late Kobe Bryant, who he was wildly successful in his career, right? In basketball. But when he retired, he went into writing again. And you, to your point, there's no overlap. However, his writing that he did, one of the letters that he wrote eventually played its way out. He got an Oscar for that. And uh, when they asked him which one was more important, his five championships or winning an Oscar, and he actually said it was Oscar because he never saw himself winning that. And so, um, I, you know, I think that the value that we have to offer may come in different forms, but 
I would just we just go with it. <laughs> what you have to share is worth sharing, you know, and I'm sure that the audience will want to hear how they can apply what you've learned in their journey. You know, if you asked me as a kid, what was my dream? I studied as an undergrad physics and electrical engineering, computer science, mm. and I wanted to be a physicist. And my dream was to get the Nobel Prize in physics. Wow. And even when I left physics, I just did tech startups. It was always, oh, have a wildly successful tech startup. Now, mm. I've had successful tech startups. I haven't had some $50 billion company. Right. I never would have thought years ago it would be teaching. I never would have thought about doing a book like this. But much like the example with Kobe, when you ask what makes me happy, what makes me feel like I have achieved success, it's not this is how much money we made in startups or even the impact or the patents or things I've done there. It's how many people have I helped? How many mm -hmm. people are now stronger in their careers and their own success that's what makes me happy. That's my metric of success. And that was totally unplanned mm. when I was going through college. Mm. Love it. Uh, what external struggles did you find yourself up against at the start of your career? I would say at the start of my career, it was actually a holdover from growing up as I did in the 80s. I was I described myself as a classic 80s nerd. So if you look at any 80s TV show or movie and you look at the nerds and you look at what they like and what they go through, that was my life. Mm. I loved science, math, chess, Star Trek, but I dealt with a lot of bullies. I had a lot of problems with other kids in school who, for whatever reasons, would attack me physically, verbally. And a lot of that caused some... I think of it as stunting my social growth, my social development. So my people skills going into MIT and coming out of MIT weren't very strong. And I think that was very limiting to me both personally and professionally as I started my career. Mm. Well, I appreciate that transparency. What type of internal struggles did you find yourself up against? Internally, I think it was the self-doubt that came from years of having these external struggles wow. and that lack of confidence in certain areas I had to overcome. Mm. You know, I had, um, I was interviewing someone the other day. Uh, one thing that he was mentioning was when he was studying his professors who knew that he was going to go into that, that space of being, become a professor would often encourage him and say, when you go up in front of the class, there are times where you're going to feel like an imposter. There are times where you're going to feel like what you're sharing is not worth listening to. Uh, he's, but they were just encouraging him to just say it's part of the process. Just embrace it. Eventually, you'll find your voice in essence. Um, did you find yourself as you're teaching now just going to MIT? Obviously, you, you know, brilliant people go to MIT. So in order for brilliant people to come out of MIT, they got to have great professors. And and you're one of the professors there teaching people. So did you find that your your struggle or roadblock that you had um, was involved in that space as well? Not so much there. I think at this point, I've, I've gained that confidence. I will say when writing the book, you're, what you're talking about is known as imposter syndrome. Yes. And we all have it. Every one of us uh, professors in that case, we have in the company, oh, I can't believe I got this job. How long until they find out I'm a fraud because exactly. I don't have all the answers. Right. Every single one of us. If you Google imposter syndrome and celebrity, you'll see major celebrities all talk about having it. Mm. I will say that as I've written this book, now the book, 
I've been teaching this stuff for 20 years at MIT and elsewhere. I know the value of the content. But when I wrote the book, I put it together, I did the first draft, I thought, oh, this is this is great. I love this content. I know how much it's going to help. And then a few weeks later, after I stepped away, I came back to read it. I looked and said, oh, my God, this is this is garbage. This is so trite and obvious, and the writing is terrible. And then I'd edit, and I'd step away, come back. Oh, no, no, this is really great. Then a few weeks later, oh, my God, what am I thinking? They're going to be laughed at. So there's a lot of that up and down. Yeah. I don't know if you have with your book. Yes, yes, with yes. days you love it and days you hate it. Yes, it's true. It's it's true. I mean, it's part of the process. It's almost, you know, it's, it's almost like a baby, right? Like you, you you love the baby, but then there are things, things about the child, especially when they get through certain levels uh, of life is just like, you know, you're not so lovable right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I could completely relate to what you're saying. Um what epiphany did you experience um, during your journey? Oh, there have been so many, but the most important one in my career, and it also led to the teaching in the book, I came out of MIT and I was pretty good at classic STEM skills. My math skills, analytical reasoning, solving engineering problems, I'm pretty good at that stuff. And so I came out probably a little cocky thinking, hey, I'm good at this. I'm better than average. And then discovering that wasn't enough, that somehow I wasn't succeeding. I wasn't doing as well as I thought I should. And it's because I didn't understand these other skills. I didn't appreciate them, didn't invest in them. And that was holding me back at first. So it was understanding their value and then understanding how to learn and develop them. Hmm. What plan did you use uh, or what plan did you create to achieve your desired goal? I create a pretty clear plan. I talk about this in the book. Chapter one of my book, Creating a Career Plan, is how you can do it yourself. And really the way I first came up with it, back in college, I had two majors, a minor and a master's degree. But a lot of things I had to do in order to get all these degrees. So each semester I would sit down I'd say, okay, what are the classes I'm going to take this semester and for my remaining semesters? And I'd map it all out because, of course, some classes are a prereq for another. Sometimes you have a class that's only taught in the spring. So I had to, to mm. map it all out. But inevitably, when you show up and register for that semester, something happens. Two of the classes have a conflict or that professor's on sabbatical this year or you can't stand the professor who is teaching it, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to take it next semester. So I constantly had to rejigger my plan. Each semester, I mapped out the rest of my time at MIT, but then each semester, I'd have to redo it. Mm. And I was just doing this to get through MIT. When I got into the real world, and I realized there was somewhere I wanted to go. It wasn't just, well, I'm in this job, and I guess I'll stay here till the next one comes. When I realized I had a destination, I realized early on I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer, the person in charge of all the engineers, said, okay, well, if that's where I want to go, I'm here, I want to go there. What's that path? So just as I mapped out all my classes, I mapped out what's the path. Because you can't just say, well, I was an engineer one day and I was working on writing some code. And then the next day, I'm managing a team of 200 engineers. Right. No one suddenly just says, sure, why don't we give you a try at that? If you want to manage 200 engineers, they want to see, can you manage 100 engineers? For that, can you manage 60? Can you manage 30? Can you manage 10? So there are steps. There are things you have to 
achieve to prove you can do it. There are things you have to know. Again, my leadership, my communication, my negotiation skills were all weak. So I recognized from where I was to where I wanted to go, I needed a plan and when will I develop these skills and how. But just like doing my classes at MIT, I had to constantly update that plan. Mm. That's awesome. Um, did you find yourself uh, experiencing a transformation in your journey? Absolutely. At first, I was just looking at some of these skills as, well, I need to get the skill so I can get that next job. Okay, I have to check the box. I don't care about the skill, but I guess I have to do it. It's kind of like, well, I have to eat the vegetables if I want to get dessert. So right. I'm fine, I'll eat the broccoli. Right. But then when you get older, you say, hey, I re- realize there's value in this. There's nutrition. There's, yeah. I want to eat this good food. I feel healthier and better. So as I was learning about these skills, I recognized their importance. I came to appreciate them, understand their power. And in fact, I realized that these skills, they're not just for the executives. They're not just for the top people. These skills apply not just to executives, but to everyone at an organization, down to the most junior people. They also apply to founders and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. These are universal skills everyone can benefit from. And in fact, in recognizing this, I said, okay, well, I want to train up my whole team. I know they will be more effective if they have these skills. So I started to develop internal training programs. Mm -hmm. And it was around this time I heard MIT was doing something similar. MIT had done some surveys of the companies who hire our students. And in these surveys, the company said, these are the skills, leadership, communication, networking, negotiating. These are the skills we want to see in everyone but we can't find them because schools don't teach this. Hmm. So MIT wanted to create this program to help teach. And by the way, this is not MIT alone. Similar research at other schools. These are the skills companies want, not just for college grads. These are skills they want in everyone. So MIT said, we want to put together this program to instill these skills in our students. And when I heard about that, I said, you know, I've been not only developing it myself, I've been training up my team. I'm happy to share what I've been doing. Happy to share my resources, talk about what I've learned in doing this. Just, I thought I'd go in for a few meetings, share things and be done. But they said, oh no, please come help us develop this. So I helped create that program. And I said, you know what? We've got these great full-time professors, the ones who are experts, world-class experts, but you're bringing a different perspective as a practitioner. Mm. We realize that having you and other people like you will bring a new dimension to the class. And that's when they invited me to help teach. And that's what led to the teaching. So it was all from these skills aren't just for me. I think other people can benefit. Just led me on this path. Mm. Yeah. Um, at some point, I know you're in New York. I'm in Pennsylvania. I might have to take you to dinner, man. We got to have to pick up this conversation. <laughs> I'm fascinated by <laughs> I'm fascinated by some of this, the stuff that you're sharing, man. It really is um, pretty amazing. Um, but this is this this portion of it, of what we were just talking about. It's just your journey. It's just to whet the appetite of the listeners. Um, but right now, what I want to d- dive into is what I consider to be your niche. And niche for me is made up of five things. It's made up of your passions, the things that you do when you do them, you feel ignited. The things that are purposeful, this is what you do and you say, I feel like I was made for this moment. The patterns, the things you do naturally well, proficiency or what you have learned to do well over time and then problem solving, what people come to you to solve in unique ways. So if we go back up to the top, um, passions, uh, what do you do that when you do it, you feel like you've been ignited? Also, 
it's interesting. I'm going to look at both of them in parallel. Some of them, it's the engineering. It's the, I like solving engineering problems. As a little kid, I like doing math problems for fun. I would get the books of math problems, not just the add seven plus four, but the more interesting math problems to challenge myself to learn. Hmm. As a, uh, on, on the other side, into the professional development, one thing I found I'm very good at is teaching because I know how to communicate ideas in different ways. I teach a lot through analogy, which I have found is very helpful for people understanding it. So I think I've had just a natural proclivity to the quantitative problem solving and to the explanations in each of those two areas where I really focus. Yeah, I love it. You know, when when you have a professor who can break things down with analogies or allegories or those type of uh, techniques that make complicated problems simple, it really shows that they have a grasp for information. Really, um, if if the if the the professor is just kind of using all of the technical terms, which are important at times, but they can't granulate it down to uh, a fifth grader can understand it, you know over you know for to most for, for the most part um I, that's when you know that a person really has a grasp if they can just break it down and even a, in a fifth grader can understand it so i appreciate that um what do you do that you you when you do it it feels feels purposeful to you it's in my engineering side it's actually building some type of product it's saying look we've made this back from my days as a kid with legos up through now of look at the software we created on the teaching side, it's that moment as I'm working with the students and you can see the light bulb go on yeah. and you can see you've made that transformation. You've helped them make a connection. I love that feeling. What do you do that's a pattern for you? What do you do naturally well? The solving the math problems, again, I had... I think a natural talent for it. Mm. And of course, through all the practice, through all those math problems I did through playing chess, that helped it. Likewise, on the teaching side, from having taught at MIT, from having taught elsewhere, from the books, from the lectures, teaching is now just very natural to me. It's very second nature. And so practice makes perfect, as we all know. Mm -hmm. And I think I've done it. I don't know if it's quite been 10,000 hours. I don't always, I don't fully subscribe to a 10,000 hour theory, right. but certainly the more you do certain things, the better you get at. And 20 years teaching at MIT, I've done a lot of teaching. Right, right, right. So, so again, now this kind of, it sounds like you kind of tying it two in there as well, as far as what a pattern is, which the opposite side of the pattern coin, in my estimation, is uh, what were uh, our proficiencies. And so this is what we've learned to do well over time. So what do you consider to be your proficiency? So that's interesting because one of the things I talk about in the book is recognizing our shortcomings and changing. Mm. I mentioned earlier, I didn't have a lot of the social skills. I didn't have a lot of the skills in the book when I was 18, when I was 22. And so I had to realize these skills do matter and I had to develop it up and I had to practice at them. Mm. So learning these skills helped me to be a better engineering leader and of course allowed me to then understand them and go teach them to others. But these were all learned skills to me. I know we sometimes think, oh, that person, she's a natural leader. He's a natural at networking. We say, oh, well, they're, they're great. But we also see people who might be 
a natural golfer. We've yeah. seen people like that. They're natural at the sports. That doesn't mean you can't become a good golfer. And in fact, the person who's a natural, if they're just like, yeah, you know, I'm good at this. I don't really have to work at. So they're fine with that. But you work every day. You go and train and you practice and you build up that skill. You can overtake that person. Mm. So just like there are natural golfers, but you can learn to be a better golfer. There are natural leaders, communicators, networkers, but all of these skills can be learned. And if you put the time in, you can be even better than the people who are natural. For myself, I was not natural and I had to build them up through my practice. In my day job as a CTO, they come to me because they say, we have this product, this technical product, the software. Usually it's early, might be an early stage company. It might be an A or B round company. They say, we know it can grow. We know there's a bigger future, but getting from here to there, how we grow the organization, how we grow the product roadmap, how we think about scaling up the whole business. That's the tricky part. That's the part I love to do and I've done many times. So that's why I get brought into companies to solve it. On the teaching side, this is where I do lots of lectures at conferences. I get brought into a company to do a lecture or workshop because they say, we know we want these skills deployed across our organization. Can you come help? instill that understanding in our team or get people down on this path so they can develop these skills and we can have a more effective organization. Hmm. Excellent. And so we covered your journey. We've covered your niche. And now what I want to cover are your secrets. And so it's so it's so interesting that as you were sharing much of your journey, some of the tiebacks to your past hurdles or things that you've learned, epiphanies that you you've come across, it kind of really kind of puts a bow tie on this last section, which is your secrets and the secrets. Although you'll be speaking to me, what I, who I really want you to speak to is your younger self. And so the first question and some of these secrets that you'll be sharing is uh, what one secret would you share with your younger self that will help accelerate you from where you are at that moment in time to where you are today? Continue to work on STEM skills. They're great. Obviously, they're much in demand these days. But don't ignore these other skills. Don't ignore the communication, the networking, the leadership. It's not just about who can solve the problem the fastest. These other things, who you can share that answer with, how you can communicate that answer, mm. that is just as important. And so I wish I had developed these skills earlier in my life. Mm. What secret do you have to getting start, started and staying committed? Small changes go a long way. The best example, what really motivates my students, think of the following. Imagine you want to learn to get better at negotiating. So consider you read a book, you take a class, you get a little bit better. We're not talking about being the world's greatest negotiator here. We're talking about you learn a little bit. And suppose you're 30 years old, you have a job offer for $60,000. Mm. But instead of just saying yes, you say, oh, wait, I've learned to negotiate. Let me go see if I can negotiate this offer. And you negotiate and get 61000 Just $1,000 more, that's not a big lift. If you do nothing else, all you did was this one five-minute negotiation to get yourself 61000 If you sit in this job for the next 30 years of your career, in five minutes, you just got yourself $1,000 more for 30 years. In five minutes, you earned yourself $30,000. Mm. Now, of course, you're not going to stay in that job for 30 years. 
You'll have promotions. You'll have raises. You'll have other jobs. You'll negotiate those. You'll probably do even more than a thousand dollars more. If you learn to be just a little bit better at negotiating, you can add tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to your lifetime earning. And when you look at it that way, you say, "Oh my God, why have I not learned to negotiate? I'm going to go out right now mm-hmm. and learn how to negotiate, getting just a little bit better." Now, here's the even bigger secret: it's easy to do the math with negotiations. So, mm-hmm. X dollars more, Y years done. The same is true for all these other skills: being slightly better at leading, at communicating, at team building, at networking. Now, if you're slightly better networker, no one says, "Oh, hey, I think you're a slightly better networker. Here's a thousand dollars more." It's not how it works. But being slightly better, you get access to more opportunities, more jobs, more customers, more partners, more of everything, and that's going to translate into more success and ultimately more money, or however you want to measure it. So, when you realize this, the power of you think of it as long term or compounding. You don't need to be the world's best. You just need to get a little bit better, and it has this massive impact on your overall success. Wow, that's brilliant! <laughs> that is brilliant. Uh, I love it. It reminds me of something that the author of a Four Hour Workweek, Tim Ferriss, was saying. It's not in his book, but I heard him do a talk once, and he was just saying to individuals about how to make that leap into doing what you really want to do, right? And so, it's like a lot of times people run into this barrier, and he says, "Well, what he encourages people to do is just if you want to do that new goal." Just do like uh, an eighth of it. Do like twenty percent of it. And he was saying, like, he used an example of flossing. He said he hated flossing, didn't want to do it, but he knew he needed to floss. And so instead of flossing his entire mouth, he just began on day one. He flossed two teeth, <laughs> and, then, and then day two he flossed three teeth. And so what the point that he was making is. He eased his way into uh, better dental hygiene, which was his goal. And um, and and now I, I don't know. I guess he's flossing everything now. But <laughs> I, think to, I think to your point, though, it just it really makes sense. Just do a little bit more, and it, you can make a big difference. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, now that you've discovered your niche, how challenging is it for you to do what you do? Now that I'm in it, I've been doing it. It's natural, and it's just a matter of growing it. In this case, I've been teaching for twenty years at MIT, but I knew I wanted to reach a larger audience. I knew more people could benefit than just the ones who happen to come through my class.、Mm. So it's doing things like the book, the speaking, going on podcasts like this, and、mm. getting that message out there. But as always, each step of the way is a little different. And this this goes back to what I was saying about startup companies and scaling it. When you have a company, whether it's a startup that's going to be a billion dollars, or whether it's your own personal company, getting client number one—that's a big challenge, and you're trying to figure things out.、Yes. Getting the next nine users or clients or customers—that's a little different because the first one you're just figuring out as you go. Next one, you have a playbook; you're still figuring out a lot. Getting the next ninety. Okay, now you're starting to get a process going. Gain the next nine hundred. Okay, now that's a different set because what those next nine hundred need might be different than what the first nine or ninety needed.、Mm. So each step of the way, 
you're kind of doing the same thing, but it's always different. As you get to larger segments, larger circles, or a slightly different audience, you constantly have to change up what you're doing and how you're doing it. That to me is a lot of fun, but that it's always a challenge. Mm. So last two questions that I have for you. Um, the first one of the two is what action item or action items would you want to leave the niche finder community with that you find are must haves? Focus on these skills, just like Tim Ferriss's flossing example. Focus on just getting a little bit better. The way I wrote my book, you can read it straight through. You can also go and say, I'm just going to read chapter seven. That's it. Mm. Focus on chapter seven. Read that. Put it down. Work on these skills. Mm. Come back. I'm going to do chapter three now. Read that later. So you can do a little bit at a time because the mistake people make They say, okay, it's January 1st, so I've got all these resolutions. I'm going to wake up early, get to the gym, eat better, quit smoking, cut down drinking, Mm -hmm. all these things. You're going to lose it by day three. You can't do all that. You need to focus on one thing. I'm going to get better at waking up early. Mm. And you're going to be cursing every day as the alarm goes off earlier than you'd like. But over time, you're going to build it up. You're going to switch your habits. You're going to get used to going to bed earlier, waking up early. Pretty soon, you don't need that, that alarm. Pretty soon, you're not waking up grumpy. So, okay, hey, you know, 7 a.m., start to my day. I'm feeling good about this. Now you can focus on getting to the gym or whatever your next thing is. So focus on one thing at a time and just getting a little bit better. And that's going to lead to long-term success. Wow. Excellent. And so last question that I have for you is how do you know when it is time to change course versus stay and focus on your goal? Great question. It's important to have an evaluation metric. Mm. I talk about this in chapter one when you're creating and executing a career plan. When you say, "Okay, here's where I want to go. This is my ultimate dream job. You're in a job. Maybe you have another opportunity. How do you figure out? Should you stay at this current job? And they talk about, oh, you have a future here. And you know there are more senior opportunities. You can get promoted. But then you have this other thing, this other company. You don't know it as well, but they're offering you something. How do you choose between the two? You want to be very clear on what is it I want in the short term, in the long term? Is that money? Is it skill development? Is it a certain type of challenge? Which one is going to give it to me? If you don't have a clear way to measure, it doesn't have to be quantitative, but if you don't clearly say, these are the things I want, and here's how I can recognize it, then you're just guessing. So you want to have a clear goal and a rubric against which you can measure your progress towards it. And that will tell you which path seems to be the right one. Mm. Excellent. And so, uh, Mark Hirschberg, we want to Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on our show today. If those who are listening want to get in contact with you, how would they go about doing that? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. You can learn more about the book, see where to buy it. Get in touch with me or follow me on social media. Read the new content I put out each week. Go to the app page and that will take you to the Android and iPhone store where you can download the free companion app to the book. Or go to the resources page where I list a whole bunch of other free online resources and have free downloads. All of this at thecareertoolkitbook.com. 
Excellent. And for the for those who are listening uh, in the Niche Finder community, for um, we, again, we appreciate having Mark on today. Uh, if you want to uh, hear more of what we're doing as well, um, you can go on to dream, uh, dreamoctane.org. That's dreamoctane.org, um, where you can pick up the book Dream Octane, um, The Seven Steps to Discover, Develop, and to Deliver Your Niche. And the reason that we we wrote, I wrote that book, and the reason that we have this podcast is because we have one mantra, and that is, if innovative change is an engine your unique dream and ability could be its fuel we want to again thank mark hirschberg for being on today and um we look forward to having uh the very next guest on our show to help you on your journey towards success mark thanks again for being a part of this and we really appreciate all that you shared thanks for having me on excellent thank you everybody we look forward to again circling back around with you on the very next episode on to help you on your journey towards success